This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Hello, awesome humans. Welcome back to the WOMED. This week, Dr. Rinka Boss joins me from her home in the Netherlands. Yeah, the Netherlands. Dr. Boss is an immunologist who, as we speak, is creating and human trialing the COVID vaccine with Janssen, a pharmaceutical company of Johnson & Johnson. Yeah, the woman's first scientist. And can we all call her a superhero? Yeah, we can. We have a candid discussion around what goes into creating and trialing a vaccine, how the COVID virus is so difficult, and her background, because you know I love the backstory. Get ready for your weekly dose of awesome, inspiring, badass women. This week's nursty energy moment comes from at Christine E. Baird. She wrote in, I just listened to the episode with Nurse Kim, and I just wanted to say, as a nursing student graduating in August, it has given me the push to finish strong when you're feeling the senioritis. Thank you for what you do. I love the episode with Nurse Kim, and I'm so glad you loved it too. Good luck with the rest of school and taking your NCLEX, Christine. Hi, Dr. Boss. Welcome to the WOMED. I am so grateful you were able to take the time to speak with me. I can only imagine how busy your world is right now. And I know you're probably inundated with interview requests and being pulled in a million directions right now. So I truly appreciate you making the time to speak with me today. Thanks, Daniela. It's it's great to be here. So I like to use the WOMED as a space for women in medicine to kind of come together share their perspective journeys through the field. It's kind of like an educational space where people can come and learn about different careers as well as all the incredible things that women are doing. And you are just one of those women that have truly stood out to me in this time, this COVID time of all the hard work that you're doing. Yes, thanks. It's indeed been an extraordinary uh, six months. Very special time. (laughs) Yes, for sure. I'd love to start with how did you get interested in immunology? Well, I think it started in uh, during my university studies. I studied the biomedical health sciences. Okay. And immunology, uh, yeah, was was just a part of it, uh, a very small part actually. There were a lot of different uh, things about science uh, uh, taught at the yeah at my uh, my university, but the immunology just yeah it caught my attention. It's so complex but it's it's there all the time we yeah we get sick everybody gets sick once in a while and I just thought it was very interesting to learn more about it to learn about the interaction of your immune cells and what the effects are on your on your health so that was the first time I got really interested in that and and then I started to follow some additional courses and got even more interested and then when I was looking for a PhD position, I found a PhD position where uh, they were looking at the interaction of the immune cells with cancer cells. Oh. And that uh, really caught my uh, attention. I really wanted to learn uh, more about that. So that's what I uh, studied during my PhD. And I continued to study during my postdoc as well. Um, and it was all quite fundamental uh, research. And then at some point, I really felt to make um, yeah a step to get closer 
to more development of um, of vaccines or medicines uh, to really get closer to uh, using all the knowledge we have to help uh, increase enhance health uh, in the world so to really get more closer to uh, to working on on something that could really be used uh, in the clinic and that's when i transferred uh, to uh, to johnson to johnson and johnson that's amazing so how many years of school did you have to go to for that well in the netherlands uh, university is uh, four years okay and then i did a phd of uh, about uh, five six years and a postdoc of five six years yeah it adds up <laughs> <laughs> It definitely does. You're a specialist. I mean, <laughs> did you have any role models in the industry that you really looked up to? Um, no, actually, in uh, well, especially in the Netherlands, the the industry is not very common for people uh, to make a transition from uh, academics to industry. It's not not really uh, promoted. It's seen as kind of a negative thing. Oh, um, yeah. So. Um, People think if you if you want to do good science, you should really stay in academics. Um, it is changing a bit now, but I did my postdoc in the U.S. and oh, there okay. is uh, in uh, in San Diego in La Jolla at the Scripps Research Institute. And there, I learned it's it's very different indeed. That uh, a lot of people uh, actually just move to uh, to industry to be able uh, to contribute even more uh, to science. Uh, and of development of uh, of medication and vaccines. Uh, so that was uh, yeah, it's a big uh, change. So there, I uh, yeah, I, I met more people that worked in industry, and uh, I learned yeah, it fascinated me, and I really wanted to try if it would work for me as well. And um, I'm very happy I uh, I made the transition to industry. I didn't regret it. I I really liked it. Well, that's wonderful. I'm glad you made the transition. I bet there's going to be a lot of new students and you know women in the industry that would that will be looking up to you and I mean you've kind of paved this new pathway then in the Netherlands yeah I hope so I hope I can uh, contribute to this indeed um, yeah now that because we are also working a lot together with uh, with academic uh, partners um, I hope that they actually see uh, that we really want to uh, yeah use the best science for the development of vaccines and not just making vaccines uh, to make money. So, yeah, I think this crisis, it, it's uh, yeah, really terrible, of course, but it's also uh, giving uh, yeah, many opportunities for people to learn more about science uh, and the yeah, academic and industry and that we're all having the same goal and working uh, very closely together. That's amazing. Um, do you have any advice for students who are interested in the world of immunology and creating vaccines? I think just follow your path. Just just look around. Uh, I think networking is just the most important. When I um, was looking for a postdoc position, I went to visit uh, in the U.S. different uh, laboratories uh, to meet the PIs uh, to see what um, yeah if the if the lab uh, was interesting uh, to me the people and the, the work they are doing um, and I think you can you can go anywhere uh, and that's nice thing about about science if you find places that do interesting work you can uh, apply for grants or, or maybe people have grants that they can uh, they can provide uh, you uh, with a job but yeah just 
talk to a lot of people and see uh, what you like and um, and just go for it. I love that. So is this world kind of more male dominated? Like, did you have to face any sort of having to like prove yourself more just because you were a woman in this field? No, I don't think that's the case, actually. There's a, in science, there's a lot of women. During my PhD, there were a lot of uh, women. My postdoc as well. My PI was a woman. So she was uh, yeah, a really good example uh, for me. What is still uh, the case is that at higher positions, also in, uh, in ac academia and also in industry, uh, it's uh, quite male-dominated. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's really something uh, that's uh, yeah that should change but i think now that there are more women getting into science that this might also just automatically uh, change that women get to a higher position as well but i have never experienced any uh, problems because of it well good i'm very glad to hear that <laughs> <laughs> obviously covid is on everyone's mind right now how many months have you been studying the the virus or or I guess rather been on alert to start creating a vaccine? Uh, yeah, it's been uh, several months now. We started in uh, in January when the, um, the sequence of the virus uh, was made uh, public uh, mm -hmm. in China. And so as soon as we, uh, as we had the sequence, we started to look into that and uh, see what we could do to, uh, to make a vaccine, to develop a vaccine. Uh, it's been quite a roller coaster since then. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, in the beginning, uh, well, we immediately realized, okay, this is a new virus. Um, it's a coronavirus. Uh, we have experience with the previous coronaviruses, so we can make vaccines. So we have to do something. We have to start developing a vaccine. Mm -hmm. But we, we've been thinking for yeah, still a few months that it would end up on the on the shelf that we would never need it because that happens. I mean, we also uh, made a vaccine for the Zika virus uh, and there the epidemic stopped, it slowed down. Uh, oh. So there was not needed anymore. So it's very, yeah, we thought for this as well, it will probably be over before we have the vaccine. Wow. Uh, but unfortunately that's uh, that's not the case it's uh, it's still going around the world so many uh, so many infected uh, people still yeah the vaccine is, uh, is still needed so we yeah we did not i would not have thought that back in uh, in february march that it would still uh, infect so many people now in the in the summer yeah you just kind of figured that it would kind of die out yeah or, yeah okay yeah, I mean, the, and that's also what happened to the, the first SARS-CoV virus. Um, that was also, um, yeah, being able to uh, to not spread any further mm -hmm. um, in a quite yeah, short time. Um, but yeah, that's not the case uh, with this virus. It's, uh, it's difficult to contain and it, it keeps spreading. Um, and when, con when we think it's contained, it keeps coming back in uh, a lot of countries so it's um yeah then you realize that you really need yeah you really need to have a, a vaccine uh, to stop this pandemic mm -hmm. so you're living and you're working in the netherlands right now yeah yeah i'm okay. back to the netherlands yes what measures did the netherlands kind of take to slow down 
and the spread of the virus and combat it? Like, do you guys have very high numbers there or? We did. There was uh, when the the first Dutch people, uh, when the first infections uh, were happening in the Netherlands, uh, it went quite fast. It was from a lot of people that went uh, skiing in Italy Mm -hmm. uh, because it was right about uh, a school break in February. Yeah. A lot of people went skiing in France and Italy. And um, yeah, there uh, people yeah caught the virus and brought it back to the Netherlands. Oh. Um, so then it went quite fast. And yeah, the measurements that were taken, well, uh, I think it was March uh, 16th that all the restaurants had to close. Um, yeah, most shops were closed. Uh, then the schools were also closed. Uh, people who could work from home had to work from home. Yeah, that lasted uh, for quite a while, but slowly, when things went better, we we made uh, we managed to uh, to contain the number of infections to a limit where at least the hospitals uh, were able, um, yeah, to have enough uh, beds available in the, in the intensive care. Uh, so that was uh, yeah, that was a very good thing. Yeah. Uh, and now everything, uh, the schools uh, have been opened again since several weeks. Uh, oh, okay. All the shops are open, restaurants are open, everything is open. Uh, we need to keep distance, of course, from each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are certain uh, limitations about the number of people that can that are allowed yeah, in bigger venues. So I think now it's only a maximum of uh, hundreds people that are allowed in theaters or. Uh, things like that oh wow yeah we haven't been able to open up theaters or venues or anything like that and uh schools I know well we primarily start in the fall so like we're kind of on summer break right now but um that's one thing that parents are like we we haven't decided yet on opening schools back up but there's been like kind of some varying opinions I guess, on how, like, if children in the pediatric population are really transmitters, I guess? Yeah, so they think that children are not really playing a role in a, in a transmission. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, that's based on, on, on data that showed that, uh, yeah, the schools in the Netherlands uh, were opened again, and also, indeed, daycares were opened again. Where the places where you de- do see uh, virus infections now coming up again, it's not it's not at schools. It's not true schools, and they have been open for several weeks now. So I really think that the, that indeed uh, children are not have no impact uh, there. What we see now, and I think also in other countries, is mainly yeah places where a lot of people come together and are close together in uh, mm-hmm. in bars. Um, yeah. People, even if there's only 30 people inside, if the music is loud and you have to talk to each other, yeah, you almost have to you have to come so close to each other and yell in each other's faces. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And that's where it goes wrong. Yeah. So um yeah, we uh, what most people do and what I do as well, I, I meet people, I meet my family, but only with very small groups when we have a birthday we just if you want to celebrate your birthday you just spread it out over several days and only invite <laughs> a few people per day but uh, that's kind of great yeah. you you get an extra long birthday yeah yeah <laughs> yes 
So uh, yeah, that's I think that's the, the best way for now uh, to keep it uh, contained. Yeah. Same. My city in Nashville, though, has been a little bit, they really want to get those bars open back up. And I'm just like, guys, <laughs> please, this is not the time. No. And the problem is that the young people, um, yeah, they don't get that severe symptom. So they think, oh, you know, it's I, I won't get that sick, so it's okay. But, but yeah, they're going to get other not, people sick. Yeah, they get other people sick. So it's, yeah, it's kind of selfish uh, to think like this because you it can is. spread the virus to a lot of people that, um, yeah, that are not that healthy. Or even there's now, yeah, a, a lot of people that are healthy that do have a lot of effects of being infected even long, yeah, a long time after the infection that they still have a lot of problems. So it's, uh, yeah, it's really serious. Oh, I know. One of my friends got really sick with it. Um, and how long ago? She got sick in March. And only just now she's like starting to be able to um, like not get like really winded when she works out or have all that chest pain. Um, so, I mean, like it, it really, it took a toll on her, but uh, I I don't know if it's the U.S. that's at odds with itself, but do you guys see many like anti-maskers in the Netherlands that don't believe the virus is real, or is that kind of just a U.S. thing that there's a lot of people that seem to have this view of of COVID? Well, we don't. It's interesting that you call it anti-maskers because we don't wear masks in the Netherlands. Oh, okay. <laughs> Uh, so that's uh, something that we are, uh, yeah, that we don't have to do in the Netherlands and okay. only in uh, in public transportation, mm -hmm. uh, but not anywhere else. Okay. And um, yeah, and we've been able to to contain uh, the virus uh, quite well. But yeah, I, I do understand that if you, I think even if it would come back here in the Netherlands or uh, that we would start wearing them as well, but I think as long as you be able to keep distance, that's mm -hmm. more important than wearing the mask because wearing the mask will also uh, give yeah people the feeling that they can get closer to each other. Yeah, and, and that's not the case. The, the mask cannot really uh, be a reason to uh, to be able to sit very close to each other. Right. Right. So yeah, but we do have uh, groups of people that are um, yeah against the, the virus itself um indeed they say it's um they don't really say that the virus doesn't exist but i think they they feel more that you should just uh, let it happen and then oh, yeah, okay and see where it ends and they are indeed very negative about um yeah about uh, academia companies uh working very hard now to try <laughs> develop vaccines and medication yeah they think that we are not doing it uh, to help people but to um, to force them onto some medication that they don't want okay y'all quick break for your own health and fitness gyms are the last place i want to be right now you just can't trust other people to wipe down their equipment not to mention i get super stressed out going to a new gym not knowing where the weights are or knowing what to do with those weights or if i'm doing it right I found FitBod in quarantine, and it's been so helpful during this time. FitBod is a smart fitness app that takes all the guesswork out of planning your workouts. The algorithm factors in your goals, etc. 
experience level, equipment, workout duration, and muscle recovery to craft the perfect total body workout program. The time commitment has always been a struggle for me, especially when I worked at the hospital. I would need something that wouldn't take more than 20 minutes, but would get my body working and sweating before I would run into the hospital for my night shift. Now, I don't have much for weights in my apartment, but I have bands and some arm weights. This app lets you input the equipment available to you and tailors a workout around what you've got. I feel like I'm getting stronger and it really balances out what muscle groups are being worked, so I feel fully recovered for my next workout. None of the I'm so sore I wince every time I try to sit down. That works for some people. It's not that fun for me. FitBod is super easy to use and has HD video tutorials to make learning new exercises a breeze. Personalized training can be super tough on the budget, especially right now. FitBod is only $9.99 a month or $59.99 for the whole year. Plus, you can try one month of workouts absolutely free. Get a personalized fitness plan that helps you work out smarter at fitbod.me slash WOMED. Try FitBod for free for one month when you sign up today at fitbod.me slash WOMED. That's one month free when you sign up at fitbod.me slash WOMED. So it also seems like there's not like a super consistent thread yet of of like viral shedding, how long you're contagious, how contagious is it? Can you get it again? I was listening to an epidemiologist on the New York Times and they said that like it can like hang out in like air clouds indoors because like outside you're fine, you know, there's usually a little bit of wind that will carry it away, but like everyone's getting more sick because they're hanging out inside and speaking to each other and is I guess it's like what are the indisputable <laughs> concrete facts on how this is spread yeah I think it's very difficult they're doing a lot of research uh, looking into that but it's it's very difficult to to mimic of course the exact way a virus is spreading um to, to do yeah to really test it it's it's difficult but it is clear that it's it, it's if you keep distance it seems to be safer outside mm-hmm. uh and inside i think it's yeah it's very dependent on the on the ventilation indeed if you um and with how many people you are inside mm-hmm. uh, because you hear now a lot of stories that one one person can infect the whole group of other people that have been in the same room right or the same bar, or uh, so it's very um, infectious. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's difficult. There, there are some publications about how it's uh, spreading in either in droplets or in the, yeah, in the air. But I think it's very difficult to mimic exactly how someone is spreading because, like you say, it's people all carry the virus difference people have some people get really sick some don't mm-hmm. uh, some have hardly any symptoms so yeah that's very i think it's really difficult uh, and different uh, in each case yeah is that because the virus is just changing so quickly or it just acts that differently from person to person 
Yeah, I think it's more the person to person because the virus doesn't seem to change uh, that quickly. Okay. There are a few changes, but they're really minor. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not thought that those minor changes have such a big impact on the difference between people. And even those changes are more seen also between uh, countries. That's a certain strain of the virus uh, is the same in uh, in one country. Mm-hmm. And then even within the country, you see yeah differences on uh, in people. I mean, I think it's very intriguing that some people don't get sick at all, and yeah. others and others do get really sick and they can die from it. So yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's very. Um, yeah, very intriguing how how that works. How um, yeah, and it can up, come up so quickly. People can get sick really quickly from it, and yeah, difficult to to grasp. Yeah, I mean, it's just you're creating something in a in a time. Well, you're studying something that's that's really like never truly been seen before on this scale, with the exception of. Was it the, like the Spanish flu or something back in like the 1900s or something? Yeah, the early 1900s, yeah, long ago. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, and the, yeah, and the strange thing is we don't uh, know where it's going. It's difficult mm-hmm. um, because we thought maybe in the summer it will the virus will uh, yeah be less uh, infectious or uh, but it, it just keeps going. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't know will it become seasonal or will it still uh yeah will the virus still change although it has not changed that much but maybe it will over time and for us of course very important is will the vaccines work because we we just don't know we don't know if it will work we don't have um yeah the data yet so there are some vaccines now in in clinical testing Mm -hmm. and uh, they show they can induce neutralizing antibodies uh, which is very important, mm-hmm. but we don't know whether that's sufficient to actually prevent people from getting infected, and we also don't know for how long, if it will, for how long you will be protected then. Yeah, so how do you go about creating a vaccine? Like, what are the different trial periods, I guess? Like, how do you, how do you start? <laughs> Yeah, well, first, if you start all at the beginning, you you need to know what you want to target. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this case, the coronavirus vaccine, we know from coronaviruses that they use this spike protein that's on the outside of the virus to uh, to infect cells, to bind to cells and then infect the cells. Mm-hmm. So most vaccines are now targeting that spike protein. So if you can induce antibodies that bind to the spike protein, it cannot bind to your cells anymore and it cannot infect the cells anymore. Um, so that's what most vaccines are uh, yeah, are targeting. So you when we knew the genetic sequence of the uh, of the virus, you take the genetic code of the spike protein and you can put that then in your vaccine. Uh, there's a lot of different type of vaccines, mm-hmm. a lot of different ways to present that spike protein to your immune system. Um, we have an uh, an adenovirus-based platform, um, okay. so that means that we have a, a virus that is normally causing uh, yeah the common uh, cold, mm-hmm. um, and we have taken pieces out so that it cannot replicate anymore. Um, but it's still good at entering the body 
and uh, activating the immune system, but it cannot replicate anymore, so it cannot make you sick. Um, and we put in the, the genetic code of the spike protein, we put it in the adenovirus the platform that we have. And then wow. you, have the, you have your vaccine, this when you inject in the vaccine, mm -hmm. um, your body will start making that spike protein. Um, okay. And then your body can start uh, making antibodies against that spike protein. What normally happens is your immune system has a, a memory. So even after a while, uh, when you then get the virus into your body, your virus recognizes that spike protein and it will immediately start a very high production of those antibodies again and very quickly so that it can then bind to spike and prevent you from getting infected. So the question is when you, when you yeah, have a vaccine, how long uh, will those antibodies stay around or how fast can they uh, be produced when you do mm -hmm. get the virus into your body? And yeah, it, yeah it takes always a long time because you have to wait a long time to test that. And yeah. So that's, uh, yeah, that's quite complicated. So all the data, the, the preclinical data, so the animal studies so far, um, yeah, are not measuring uh, immune responses, antibody responses for over a year because we only have this virus uh, several months now. So we don't have right. those uh, data yet. Mm -hmm. Uh, those studies are ongoing, of course, um, but yeah, that still needs to needs to be seen. So then we started now, uh, or other vaccines uh, started to be injected in people now. So you start okay. always with um, yeah with a phase one uh, study, and that's just safety because mm -hmm. yeah, it's most important, of course, because a vaccine is injected into healthy people. Right. And so if we want to inject the whole world with a vaccine, we need to make sure it's very, very safe. Right. Um, right. So that's the first thing. And we know from our, uh, from the J&J platform, the adeno-based platform, that the platform is, is safe. We have injected more than uh, 50, 60,000 people with our platform, but then for mm -hmm. other diseases. So for an Ebola vaccine, the Zika vaccine, mm -hmm. uh, HIV. Uh, so we have a lot of experience with our platform and we know that that is very safe. So that's already a big advantage that we know that. Yeah. Um, but still now with another uh, protein inside, with another, now we have the spike protein of the coronavirus, of course you need to test again whether that's safe. Mm -hmm. um, so we first start inject, uh, injecting healthy people uh, and look what happens uh, at the site of injection. Um, we've seen now also the first publications of, uh, of companies that have um, injected people already and they do see some side effects, but nothing severe. Sometimes some uh, a fever or maybe some swelling of the injection site, mm -hmm. but it's nothing, uh, nothing very serious. Okay. But that's something you need to do first. And then you can start uh, looking at the immune response. So you will uh, take blood from these people that have been injected and mm -hmm. measure whether they have antibodies that can bind to that spike protein. And then you can also test in the laboratory whether these antibodies can bind to the virus and can uh, neutralize the virus. So that means that the virus is not able to infect cells anymore. That's also something you can measure um, yeah, in the laboratory. 
so that that looks so far that looks promising for the vaccines that are being tested now uh, in humans they do mm -hmm. induce neutralizing antibodies and uh, they can recognize uh, the virus okay but now yeah the next step is and that's then after you've shown that you can induce these antibodies you have to test whether you can actually protect people from getting infected and that's of course the most important right uh, but also the most difficult because you need to be able to show that you can really prevent infection, you need to test uh, your vaccine in a population where there are a lot of infections, because otherwise you cannot test whether you can prevent an infection. Are you going to be testing in the in the United States then, or yeah, um, yeah, China? Mean, and that's what we what I just mentioned back in April, May. Uh, we thought, oh, you know, then we have a vaccine and then it will be very difficult to test efficacy if, if the virus is not spreading so much anymore. But now mm -hmm. the virus is still spreading everywhere. So there's a lot of countries where you can do <laughs> the testing yeah. if you see now, because, yeah, in the U.S., in Brazil, there's uh, yeah many countries where there's a lot of infections. So well, that's indeed, yeah, the places then where this uh, this will be done. And then you... What you typically do is you take a, a group of people that get uh, yeah, a placebo, so not the real vaccine, mm -hmm. and a group that gets the real vaccine. And of course, people are not allowed to know what they have received right? Um, to be able to make a good comparison. And then you have to follow these, these two groups of people and see if they get any symptoms and see if they get sick. And um, yeah, to... To really show that your vaccine works, you need a big group of people uh, to show this, of course. So that's uh, yeah, those are really uh, big studies. I think for um, for Moderna uh, and for AstraZeneca, they are starting the end of this month. I think they they uh, had some uh, announcements that they would still start their phase three trials in uh, in July. Okay. And we anticipate uh, to do that later in the year. Mm -hmm. But those, yeah, those you need that data to um, to show whether the vaccine uh, can uh, can protect. And then still, we don't know for how long it will protect. And that's something right. that needs time. We don't know if it works. That would be really great. But mm -hmm. then we have to check. We have to test whether we then do you need then another shot of the vaccine in a year or in mm -hmm. two years or is one shot enough to protect you for several years that all still needs to be uh, to be studied we don't know this so that's i mean i guess that kind of leads into how long does it typically take to create a vaccine i mean i found research saying it takes 10 to 15 years to create a safe vaccine yeah normally uh, it does take that long mm -hmm. because normally we take steps we do everything um we wait for the first result to go to the next uh, step. So what I mentioned is first testing it in animal models. Mm -hmm. um, what we would normally do is um, first test all the animal models and wait for those results before you would even start producing a vaccine in larger amounts. Mm -hmm. um, but now we are just doing everything in parallel. Uh, so even when the animal studies are still ongoing, we are already uh, preparing for large-scale production. Mm -hmm. That if we find that the vaccine works, that we then have 
uh, a lot of vaccines available for the world. Uh, but that's of course a very big investment because if it mm -hmm. doesn't work, then we have yeah invested uh, a lot of money in in producing uh, this vaccine that will not be used then. Yeah. Um, so normally you don't do that when the, the <laughs> when there is not such an emergency as as now. Mm -hmm. uh, you you cannot do that uh, every time for every vaccine. So this is a um, yeah we have never seen this before that we do everything in parallel and take all these risks yeah just because we need it uh, for the world so it's um yeah it's a very uh, very special uh, normally we really wait also for now for the, all the clinical studies um you normally take more time to do your data analysis before you go mm -hmm. to the next step but mm -hmm. now because we are focused on this vaccine we have also more resources um, so it, it can, yeah, it can just be done faster. And also the, I think all the regulatory uh, authorities, they also cooperate with this. Uh, mm -hmm. When you normally want to do a clinical trial, you have to submit all your documents and mm -hmm. they have certain responding time within so many weeks or months. And that's all shortened a lot now. So they are also, um, yeah, very cooperative in uh, making this go much faster than usually. Yeah, it just seems like I like to think of all of the world's most brilliant minds are all focusing on this right now, on, on the COVID vaccine and how to make sure it's safe and, and start testing it. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, if you look at all the, the sci health scientists, then uh, indeed, I think everybody is... Uh, Everyone's laser focused. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you were saying about if like the body's able to produce these antibodies, but I mean, some of the, uh, what was I just reading? Uh, the BBC just had an article that said people who had tested positive and recovered that their antibodies were only effective for like three to four months or something like that and just disappeared. So with making this vaccine, I mean, there's also something about the T cells in there too. It's yeah. been a long time since I studied <laughs> cells and stuff like that. But is that something you're concerned about with making the vaccine um, with these antibodies potentially just disappearing so quickly? Or is that different in the like genetic makeup and creating a vaccine? indeed looking at your immune response uh, triggered by the virus itself can be mm -hmm. very different from an immune response that's induced by a vaccine mm -hmm. so with the vaccine you have a, yeah kind of a controlled immune response uh, in which you only have your vaccine with the spike protein if you get infected by the virus you are yeah you have the whole virus and there's a lot of different proteins in that virus Mm -hmm. um, so you get a much more the immune response is more spread against all these different parts of the virus not just only to the spike mm -hmm. so only the also the way the, the the virus is presented to your body is different of course when you really get the actual virus or the vaccine um, gotcha. so, so that can be a very uh, different it's it's known that uh, viruses and also cancer, for example, 
they can activate immune cells, but they do it in such a way that it's not the proper activation. That's why you're in a lot of uh, cancer patients or also in affected people. You do find an immune response, but it's not good enough to clear the virus or to clear the cancer. Um, so that's why, yeah, you need something to trigger that immune response mm-hmm. to go in the right direction and be able uh, to do that. Um, so what we see in antibodies that it's going down um, so quickly. Um, we have seen for a lot of vaccines that uh, we have also tested in, in clinical trials that antibodies that are induced, that they can be found back for quite a long time. Uh, so I'm mm. not too worried about that, actually. Oh. Uh, the T-cells is also, yeah, a lot of discussion. But yeah, that is very interesting. Also difficult, yeah, to say because we don't know how to compare infected people to vaccinated people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do agree that T-cells are very important. Mm-hmm. Um, you really need uh, T-cells and antibodies. But for the initial prevention of getting sick, mm-hmm. uh, for that, the antibodies are most important. Because you, if you want to prevent that the virus can bind to your cells, you need antibodies to prevent it. Mm-hmm. So in that way, antibodies are really most uh, important. But we know uh, also from other infectious diseases that if you um, have been infected or you are infected, and T cells are also very important because T cells are able to eradicate the infected cells. Mm-hmm. Um, so then T cells become uh, very important. And they, they see now that people with uh, very mild systems uh, symptoms uh, that they have uh, a high number of specific T cells. So then you could think that those T cells are indeed very important to prevent you from getting very sick, that you can uh, eliminate the virus from your body. That is really something um, yeah, that we need to study uh, much more in detail. Also, yeah, see what type of T cell response is the vaccine inducing mm-hmm. and will it help yeah to maybe make symptoms less uh, serious or yeah we yeah. really have to see in in the efficacy trials i think first we need to see if the antibodies can prevent you from getting sick mm-hmm. but even if you can be prevented from getting sick uh, like you say maybe you need another shot of the vaccine within a year if, if your immune response goes down a bit over time Mm-hmm. then maybe at that time point, your T-cells become more important. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then that needs to be uh, to looked at. And uh, yeah, that's going to take some time. Yeah. Ah, mm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. How quickly are people trying to get this vaccine out there? Like how many months do you think? years yet do you think we have before well i think it's 
Yeah, I think it could be quite fast for having a vaccine really for emergency use. Okay. Um, and, and that's, of course, to be debated about as well, like who, mm-hmm. who is going to get then the emergency use vaccine. Yeah. Um, and I'm a bit worried seeing uh, some countries, um, yeah, trying to get all the vaccines uh, only for their country. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, we have said from the beginning on that we are making this this vaccine for the whole world and not just right. uh, for the Netherlands or for the US. Right. Um, so I really hope that we can, uh, yeah, that we can hold our promise and that the WHO or other organizations can find a way to get the vaccines there where it's needed. Mm-hmm. And I think that will be, um, that will be very difficult uh, discussions. I would think that, yeah, it, it should go to uh, to countries where it's really needed or to healthcare workers. Um, I think uh, those are the people, elderly, mm-hmm. uh, that those will the people that will get the first uh, available vaccines. But yeah, to be able to have it available for everybody uh that will uh, take a bit longer i mean we um we will we promise to deliver a, a billion doses next year and some other companies as well wow. uh, but but still that doesn't that's not enough for the whole world right right um and also uh like i mentioned maybe you need uh, a shot every year mm-hmm. um, or maybe for some of the vaccines um you need two shots so you need uh, a prime and a boost with a few weeks yeah. in between mm-hmm. um so and yeah and the doses of the vaccine so if you only would need uh, a low dose mm-hmm. then you have much more vaccines available of course but right. if it turns out that the higher dose is more effective then you have less vaccine available you can make less doses wow. um, so yeah, that's all still to be seen. Um, but I, I do think, uh, like I said, for there are several uh, companies uh, or many companies that, of course, are working on vaccines, but several that are already in late stage testing. So if it works, there, there will be, I think, uh, vaccines available uh, beginning uh, of uh, 2021. But wow. then it, it it will be very important uh, to decide who will get those uh, first vaccines. And I would think to continue to even follow up with the people that got these, you know, emergency doses, like these very first doses, yes. just to yeah, yeah, um, because it's still, even though it, it's uh, you will, it's not an official clinical study anymore, mm-hmm. but still you would you would need to follow up with people, yes, yeah. indeed, because you want to know. Uh, how long they will be protected for yeah like an like an unofficial fifth stage of testing if you will yeah. i don't <laughs> yeah 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 but that's uh, yeah logistically that's very complicated of course mm-hmm. to be following all those people and uh, yeah yeah is this something that you would see like possibly having to take like the yearly flu vaccine are you changing are you like manipulating the proteins at all to kind of cover for like a possible virus mutation in the future? Or right now, is it just just trying to get this one spike protein available in a vaccine? 
Well, we are still uh, doing a lot of research uh, to see if we can even make it better than what we have now. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, we will. There's a lot of information now becoming more information becoming available. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, we are looking into whether uh, we could even make it better. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, yeah, if it would be possible to make a, a vaccine that would maybe be uh, protective against uh, several coronaviruses, I think that would also be very interesting. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of people, um, yeah, are lo- looking into that now. And now, especially when we are starting to get uh, data from human clinical trials. Mm-hmm. There will be uh, yeah more and more information uh, becoming mm-hmm. available, and also more tools, uh, more samples. So I think um, yeah, we are definitely also uh, looking uh, whether yeah we just keep uh, looking further whether it can be uh, approved based on data that's uh, becoming available. Um, but so far, at least we are still. Um, we're still happy with our uh, vaccine <laughs> candidates that, uh, because we did test. Um, we just did. We did not just pick one candidate. We started mm-hmm. testing uh, ten different designs. Okay. And uh, and based on um, yeah on, on scientific data, we uh, we selected one to uh, produce now for clinical trials. Wow. This is so exciting. I can't wait to to see what you you continue to produce and 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 work on. Yeah, and it's going so fast now. I think that's so exciting. Normally when people do it, when there's a clinical trial, it will take mm-hmm. sometimes months before you even get to see some data. Yeah. And now everything is uh, yeah, published uh, on internet uh, really quickly. So it's um it's hard to keep track of everything. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah. I think that's kind of why there's so many maybe differing thoughts because so much information is being pumped out so quickly. Yes, indeed. Yeah, it's difficult. Uh, yeah, and then even, uh, yeah, me as a scientist, it's difficult to keep track of. So I cannot even imagine mm-hmm. that if you're uh, not into immunology or vaccines, it's very difficult, um, yeah, to interpret what they are saying in the mm-hmm. in the media or all the publications. Yeah, so much, uh, yeah, published and and being said, mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of reporters sometimes, uh, yeah, just misinterpret something mm-hmm. um, because they are not uh, into the science uh, themselves. But yeah. then a lot of people read it, and then yeah. It easily spreads, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, it's it's nice that it's an advantage now of uh, of all the the internet, the social media possibilities. But it's also mm-hmm. a disadvantage that uh, a lot of um, not correct information is being shared. Right, right. And that's I mean that's also why I'm very thankful that you took the time to come on. To this podcast too and just spread your knowledge um on covid and how actually creating a vaccine takes place so i really really appreciate you working hard to to get the correct information out there thank you that was uh, very nice uh, 
to talk to you to share my uh, ideas it's uh, yeah very exciting uh, at times mm -hmm. i sometimes feel a bit guilty uh, a lot of people um, yeah they have a lot of negative effects of course of this crisis mm -hmm. um, but i think for uh, for the scientists um, it's it's quite exciting so um uh, it's it's very hard work but mm -hmm. it's um yeah it, it's it's a great uh, feeling to be able to uh, to contribute um, mm -hmm. to this, and uh, yeah, hopefully it works. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hopefully, fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, I I have complete faith in you. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> any, I guess, any last words of wisdom or you know places that you know if people are looking for correct accurate information where's the best place for for people to go yeah it's i think it's difficult i think the who website or mm -hmm. uh, other um uh, academic institutions that have a lot of information on their websites mm -hmm. i would definitely try to go to more indeed the scientific uh websites and a lot of them have also more uh language that is understandable uh, for, mm -hmm. for non-scientists mm -hmm. um, but I think that's better indeed than uh, a lot of news sites yeah don't really provide the right uh, always provide the right information sometimes they do of course but um, mm -hmm. there's always a level know. of bias I think especially yes. in the states so yeah yes I'm aware of that yeah yeah uh, yeah and just uh, yeah I think it's good to um, to be um, alert and and uh, be curious and um, yeah, just don't take anything that people say. Just think about it and if it makes sense to you, um, and try to um, yeah, to go more to more educated pages, uh, web pages where they can explain it to you or mm -hmm. reach out to people. I think a lot of people, scientists, are happy. Uh, to discuss and and to explain as well. So I think uh, Johnson and Johnson has a yeah mm -hmm. also a nice uh, series, the Road to a Vaccine. Mm -hmm. um, and they're all, yeah, I think it's yeah it, they I think they do a great job in interviewing people, experts in the field that mm -hmm. give a really good overview of what's going on. Um, so yeah, I think those type of things are really. Uh, good sources uh, for information. Well, wonderful. Dr. Boss, I don't want to take up any more of your time. I know you've had a long day already, um, but I truly appreciate you taking the time to speak with me today and would love to hopefully follow up with you again um, after you guys have done more testing or maybe when you're closer to launching the vaccine. I just think you're absolutely fascinating and I'm really a great strong female figure in this world right now, uh, kind of leading the charge in this. So thank you for, for everything that you're doing. Well, thank you very much. Happy, uh, happy to contribute. Nice, uh, nice to talk to you and I would be happy to, uh, to uh, catch up in a few months indeed when we have some more, uh, more information about uh, the effectiveness of the vaccine. Wonderful. All right, Dr. Boss, thank you again so much. Okay, you're welcome. Take care.
So I want to formally say that I now know what I would go back to school for if I ever end up in that position. Science, research, and immunology. My next life, I want to be like Dr. Boss. I could have listened to her for hours, and I definitely have more questions, but she is a very busy woman, quite literally working on saving us, along with a ton of other brilliant minds. I can't wait to hear your thoughts on this episode. I know in the U.S. there's so much bias in the news, and there's so much research being done that new information is continuously being brought to light, so it's, it's really hard to keep track. Johnson & Johnson's Road to a Vaccine series is fascinating and digestible information for everyone and a great place to find information on the incredible females leading the way. Stay safe out there, guys. Much love to you all. Till next week, WOMED out. first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on that's nice at caskers.com we make this experience easy caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code welcome 10 for ten dollars off your first purchase get ten dollars off your first purchase with code welcome 10 at caskers.com ah mm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.